Ramble. Hello, cutie booties, and welcome back <laughs> to another episode of You Can Sit With Us. I'm one of your hosts, Becky, and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello. Good morning. Ariel. Hi. Rachel. Hello. Our podcast, Pixie Miles. And today we have a super exciting guest for you guys. The one, the only, Kelsey Darrow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I genuinely like all of you a lot. <laughs> a lot. And we are so happy to have you. Today we're going to be talking all things Guilty Pleasures, your new podcast with Corn Diddy and Garrick, which has been killing it right now. You yeah. also have a book out. Yeah. You're doing social justice work. Oh, yeah. You're on an e-show. Oh, yeah. What? You're on, you do a lot, man. <laughs> Damn, you do girl. a lot. It's never and you had a ski vacation alone. Oh, yeah. Big fan of solo trips. Definitely, yeah. definitely a big fan of that. I think all ladies should be comfortable traveling alone. Yeah, I've never traveled alone. Have you guys traveled alone anywhere? I met a friend in Thailand, but I stayed. I was there for three days by myself. Yeah, yeah. which was Shit. really cool. But it was kind of scary because I ended up landing in Thailand at one a.m. by myself. Mm, yeah. <gasps> And trying to get my to my hotel and like taxi and like texting my uh -huh. parents. I'm like, by the way, I'm here. If I go missing, <laughs> this is where I was last. <laughs> Dropping things all over. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Tuesday morning. <laughs> I know, Jesus. So Kelsey, yeah. tell us about guilty pleasures. What is oh my it? God. How yes. did it start? Like, tell me all about it. I, I obviously know, but tell the audience. Yeah. I was like, there's no way all of you don't know, like, very intimately yes. how <laughs> obsessed with, like, media the boys are. But particularly Zach, Corn Diddy Cornfield, yes. Corn Zaddy, and I have always been obsessed. Like, he was the one guy I would go to back when we worked at BuzzFeed to be like, oh, my God, did you see this this weekend? Like, I could count on him having gone to, like... Um, AMC the weekend and seen like whatever thing came out and so when he said that that he wanted to do a podcast about movies I was like duh just sign me up and then he was like yeah but it's like bad movies and I was like okay uh -huh. sure. I could I'm still interested <laughs> I think I'm still interested um, and then we brought our very 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 funny friend Garrick who's like a very professional writer-y actor -y dude who is like way mm -hmm. better at that kind of professional stuff that we are um in a to be our third and so guilty pleasures is all about talking about the movies that are so bad that they're good but i will mm -hmm. say it has been a lot of zach's favorite guilty pleasures so far this season <laughs> no that the audience... is he bogarting the pleasures he's <laughs> the one who kind of like tells us what we're watching that week and then garrick and i just fight him on it and we're like we're absolutely <laughs> not gonna watch that and then you know we get convinced somehow i'm still waiting to do my favorite epic guilty pleasure which yes, is the britney spears us. classic crossroads i don't know if we have <gasps> yes. any fans in the house oh, yes. zoe saldana yes like that yeah. to me is yes. the like definition of a guilty pleasure so it shows like that we've got the fast and furious franchise we've got animated films we've got big action movies um so yeah we have a lot of fun with that but i'm curious what your guys's guilty pleasures are because i just exposed Ooh. myself well, I mean, Ooh. you guys started with Twilight, which is legitimately my oh, favorite yeah. movie. Ooh. Not yeah. guilty Ooh. at all. Uh, absolutely <laughs> love Twilight. 
would watch it a thousand, thousand million times. Uh, That one song, that one song that, uh, is it Christina Perry sings? It's like, I would love you for a thousand years. Oh, that's, yeah. It's like that's everybody's I wedding song. I old too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Every Mary single time. Every single time that, yeah. that song comes on, I'm like, I love you forever. Oh, God, I'm crying now. Oh, it's God. a great <laughs> song, but the fact that Becky got married to a song in the Twilight movies is hilarious. Wow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. If you want to cry today, go on YouTube. There's a bride <laughs> who signed the song to her husband oh as he walks down the hall. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> oh. so uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say I... Uh, I was a little hurt that you guys thought that was a guilty pleasure. It's a lot of people I mean, did comment that we couldn't believe we didn't have you as the guest on that. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like, I had no idea that this was like a passion of yours. So yes. noted for, for a movie two, three and whatever, however many there are. There are five. Five? Yeah. 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 They had, to split, the five. They had to split the second one. Yeah. So or the last one. Because it was just Harry Potter. The last one. Yeah. yeah. Like Harry Potter, yeah. Mm, Harry Potter. But the books okay. were shorter. I think in our friend group, everyone knows what my guilty pleasure is, but maybe the audience doesn't. I am deeply passionate about Alita Battle Angel being one of the best <laughs> movies that has wow. come out in the last, like, five years. Really? That's that crazy. is so and I think it is phenomenal. I think it is a classic. <laughs> I asked Zach why he hasn't had you on for that anymore. And he's like, Becky fights me and says that, look, it got like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that means it's actually good. It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. He said it had to be below a certain threshold. And I was like, Alita does not fill that just because we? Zach doesn't like Alita. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's gatekeeping the movies we watch. Oh, yeah. Because um, you know, it's the trolls, the Twilight trolls that will just go bombard. I can't believe that. Twilight's oh, yeah. a major franchise. People are just mean. See, here, I did want to say this about coming on today. I like love that you guys created a space like about kindness because when I first heard your name of the podcast like you can sit with us I was like that's so refreshing and like you all really are very very nice people like I'm a huge con I don't know if I can say cunt on this podcast because it's a kindness podcast but like I just love you can that say you whatever guys- you want yeah. okay good I'm <laughs> usually referred to you Kelsey don't take don't take cunt from me I love cunt um in all forms um but I was just like what a beautiful thing for like younger girls to have in their like oh, feeds and on their no I'm dead serious I'm not just like kissing ass like I I thought it was such a good like (laughs) thing to make and I'm so glad you guys do it oh that is so sweet it's just true Um, I will say that I love your podcast name confidently insecure yes that's a fun one today we have a um a professional dominatrix on (laughs) Ooh, stop that's cool oh yeah Yeah, every week I try to get a different expert, whether it be in the field of like sex work or even I think uh-huh. next week we have a um, a hematologist on, like a blood doctor who's going to talk about like how your blood Whoa. can affect your diet and stuff. So it's an array of topics that usually I am pretty uninformed about. And then I bring someone uh-huh. on to like kind of talk about the the taboo stuff, you know. So it's a mm, fun. I like awesome. it. I don't know if you guys That's feel really the same cool. way, but it's just like a good weekly routine thing that I like to hold myself accountable to doing where I'm just like, no matter what, I accomplish this every week Mm -hmm. for, you know, however many weeks. I mean, I've certainly learned a lot from this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I don't, do you guys remember when Maggie told us about that jar hack where you put 
boiling water in a jar. Hot water? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, get this I have been off. doing that and it works so well. Isn't it, it so good? Okay. I saw one person, one what person DM me and was like, okay, so if you want to get uh, labels off a glass jar, oh, yes, 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 you yes, can yes, put, yes. you can put boiling water, but someone messaged me and you can get the label off very easily because it like loosens up the in- adhesive and you can get, yes. you can get it off pretty easily after that. Someone DM'd me and they're like, please don't tell your audience that because if you put boiling hot water in a, in like, a glass, not a temperature safe it glass, it. it could break. Sure. And I was like, yeah luckily i've been lucky we can't be perfect i don't want to hurt anyone we're not experts on most things so if we tell you heed heed our advice but go at your own risk yeah Yeah. fair but also most jars that hold food are are mm-hmm. like tempered glass. They're, they're, yeah, they're temperature safe. But I'm not the expert, so I don't know. I yeah. mean, when your glass breaks because you put boiling water in it, don't come DMing me. Nope. Don't, don't come, come from here. <laughs> it might get a little ha- loud in here just for a sec, just as an aside. Someone really is moving in next door now. I know I said it last time, <gasps> oh, but really? now someone really is moving in. It's a much bigger truck. Oh my God. Yeah. Can I tell you guys something I've been doing on the side? Like, yes. yes. Okay. So <laughs> how do you have time for things on the side? Kelsey, you have so many sides. You guys, too many sides. Know, like this like, might be a lady thing, but yeah. I am just like, you know, I'm a dink. I don't have a kid or anything. And like, I purposely feel like if I have time with my life, I should be contributing to the world since I'm not like replicating my DNA. I feel like I should be doing (laughs) something in another capacity to help the world. So I try to keep Mm -hmm. my fingers Mm -hmm. in a bunch of holes at once. And every time I say that, like I can't stop saying putting my fingers in holes and it never comes out right. I've been saying (laughs) it for years. Sounds like a little sexual. There's something like a lot of sexual. Yeah. Yeah. But so I don't know how many holes, but at least 10. 10. Yeah. That's not counting my toes. Yeah. So what's on the side? Kels? Okay. So I started doing this thing. I started doing this thing on the weekends where my buddy and I will go rent a U-Haul for like 40 bucks and we drive around the rich parts of LA and we pick up furniture off the side of the road. And when I tell you there is perfect conditioned like cb2 rugs fucking ikea lamps and dressers and drawers we have collected and donated i will say people came for me on tiktok being like wow you're driving around and stealing from the rich and the poor and i was like we donate half this shit like we can't have seven bar stools in our fucking house but i'm telling you guys if you ever just need something to do to get out of the house in this pandemic Go look for furniture because people in LA just be mm-hmm. tossing shit. Trying to get rid of it. Didn't that when I yeah, saw you, you were like down the street from me and I was walking? Probably. I, I was like, is that Kelsey? <laughs> and, you, and you came and, oh, you yeah. dropped, and you dropped off a latte. You're like, hey, I'm by your house. I, and I was like, yes. I think I just saw you. Yes. But your windows I, were completely tinted, but I yeah. could not see you. And I was like, is that her? I was do- I'm like a big Facebook marketplace hoe. I love like uh offer up. I'm like actually mm-hmm. I'll give a little like exclusive thing that I've literally never announced to the public, not even on my own podcast here, but because <gasps> I think all of you are boss women, I feel like I could tell you this. I'm actually tell starting us. a company called Swapskies and it's an app where you use it's like tinder but for home decor items so it starts locally where we're focusing on like sustainability and upcycling Uh and it's like okay every year i have the same christmas decorations wouldn't it be cool if like i could get new ones but i don't need to spend the fucking money at target because 
bitch. Yeah. I will yeah. go like into yeah. the negative when I go to Target, the home decor <laughs> section. Like Joanna Gaines, yes. get the fuck out of my life. So I'm <laughs> starting this app and we're like fully like already have a prototype. I've got like ah! seven boxes of home decor items I found. Like I Whoa. want Whoa. all of y'all's feedback. I need you guys to be like some beta and testers. Tell me You things. know what? <laughs> this is great for this hmm. is so good for moms. Like oh, if there's time. someone yes. in my neighborhood mm-hmm. who has the next level up climbing Montessori thing and I can <laughs> yes. give mine to some one year olds and get the ones for three year olds. Yeah, that would be so dope without that's buying totally, it. Totally. That's like in our projections, right? Because you have to like yeah. pitch all these people with money yeah. and be like, what's to scale? And we're like, we're hitting the baby market. Yeah. Kids like outgrow stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like fast. fast. And it's, it's so not, wasteful. It's not like really used, but yeah. especially yeah. in the pandemic when you're at home. You all need so when you them to do. You could do wedding stuff too. Yeah. When you say it's um, like Tinder, is it like a barter yes. system? So like items go so on like little dates l- together and they'll decide if they want <laughs> to make really new baby like items. Go to the park and you like walk around with it. No. So it's one to one trading. So you're actually it, not okay. paying for anything. So say mm-hmm. you have a lamp that I want and I've got a Ikea shelf that you want and we flip and it's like, Oh, you've made a match. And then it tells you about like your carbon offsets and how much you're actually saving and contributing to like, Ooh. not the landfills and Ooh. blah, blah, blah. That's and awesome. So, yeah. I'm really jazzed. Really and we're going to cool. start just imagine locally. Yeah. You found someone to trade with like Ariel Fulmer. Just That's imagine. what I was going to say. I was going to yeah. say, I have an entire storage unit just full of stuff <laughs> that I'm ready. I, I, wait, so I used to have two. I used oh. to have two storage <laughs> units full of stuff and oh. then I gave away an entire storage unit full because oh I was like, God. I'm so done with this. I don't That's like, like wow. things go out of season. And especially like what we learned with the pandemic or the Patricia or the panorama as everyone calls it, <laughs> is that like it, it, bo- it like advanced the home decor market by five years mm. because people are at yeah. home. They realize we're not going back to offices. And so your <clears throat> space makes you feel like such a type of way. And it's, it gives mm-hmm. you such like vibe in a mood and like I don't think it should be so inaccessible because that was the other thing we realized we're like it's such a white washed business like I can't mm-hmm. think of any like women of color that are mainstream like home decor HGTV women that like come to mind immediately mm-hmm. and so we're trying to make this like the most accessible and like anyone can do it if you use Facebook marketplace if you use eBay you're gonna be able to use swap skis <laughs> but That's yeah awesome. Ariel especially it. I'm gonna have so to be awesome. like hello can we be friends <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can sit with us <laughs> you can sit on this chair actually that i would like to trade you for that <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's awesome so cool yeah. kelsey i'm excited like, not only you, you you are doing like a thousand things that it's like, a, goodness yeah. where do you find the time know. you guys do too like you guys all have like some of you have fucking kids that's a fucking whole thing <laughs> Jesus, I could never imagine (laughs) doing that, shaping a human. No, thanks. I just, I don't know. Do women feel that way? I feel like we have to be, I I don't know. I I feel like because I don't have kids again, like my success equals what I'm able to accomplish in this world. Like I'm building a legacy, hopefully beyond um, like what I think I'm supposed to do, I guess. Well, I think you should feel validated by what you put out into the world, but you can also just exist in the world. And that's perfectly lovely as well. Never heard You're of it. You're a gift unto yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I've i definitely put in, definitely during this, Patricia, a lot of self-care 
time. You know, I I've blocked out mornings. I get up earlier now that I'm sober um, where I'm journaling like I'm doing the daily stoic journal. I do yoga and shit like I made a fucking smoothie like this is all just stuff I never would have done even like two years ago. So yeah, I'm definitely learning how to I always say like fuel refill my tank before trying to feel the world because you know we just like to take on so much yeah. so Kels you mentioned that now you're sober can we talk about that for yes a oh my god would please. you love I to would love to producers no. always email me before podcasts and they're like if it's okay if it's not too much of a personal zone. and I'm like all I want to do is talk about sobriety <laughs> 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 tell us more yes like to yes. the day I die okay well let let's start out we have some questions about it but like i would love to know like how did it start when did you think about becoming sober what God. was the trigger the funny thing is you've all known me as like a heavy drinker too and like you all knew my personality at buzzfeed to be like the eugene of drinking for girls where it was like instead of doing hard tequila like he can I would like drink a bottle of wine and it it became such a big part of my identity and genuinely like I loved drinking I really did love the taste of wine I loved the culture I loved drinking socially I loved that it was something that brought people together I loved the events that I'd go to except everything in my life started to revolve around booze somehow like growing up mm. in Florida it's like okay, you go to a tailgate, so you're drinking, you go to hang out with friends, so you're mm -hmm. drinking, you're playing beer pong, you're playing this. And I, I had this like, holy shit moment where I realized like drinking isn't actually doing anything. Like we'd go to the beach and I'd be like, when can I get a margarita? I lay out by the pool. When can I open a beer? It's like, that's not, the act of drinking isn't actually doing anything like progressive for my life. Like it really mm -hmm. was just keeping me stuck in this place of, you know, unhealthy habits and the hangover anxiety only got worse as I, you know, hit my thirties. Like I, I had been done for so long, but just kept going with this persona because I was so afraid to admit that I didn't have control over it. And I still, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't do the program. I didn't do AA, which is pretty lucky. Like it's a pretty rare thing that I, I, was able to quit with a relatively like close support system at home. But I just, I, I felt like I was such a successful, high functioning alcoholic. And I was afraid mm -hmm. to say the word alcoholic because it, it, it runs in my family. It runs in, you know, people's lives that are very close to me that I've seen, you know, get DUIs, lose their family, lose their job. And I was like, well, at least I'm not like doing ketamine on the side of the road. So I'm fine. Right. And it was like, yeah. no, if I just kept going in this direction where I thought I had everything under control, like I was killing myself, honestly, like I've drank mm -hmm. enough for multiple lifetimes. I don't ever need to drink again. And yeah, it was that moment of like, I'm the only thing standing in my way of having a better life, like with chronic pain, with mm. the inflammation, with my mental health, like I'm literally a mental health advocate and I'm like drinking my problems away. Like who am I to fucking give any advice? Um, mm -hmm. You know, just with being a successful woman, I didn't want it to come off to young girls that like this was so cool. Like for so mm -hmm. long, society mm -hmm. is like, 
if you're the girl that can outdrink the guys, you're the fucking cool. Like, what does that get? Mm. What does that do for me? It's it's still service yeah. of service of men in a way. And so, I'll, I'll never forget. Right when I had gotten sober, Eugene texted me to do a ranking. I think of something. Aww. I think it was his first ranking or something. And yeah. I like lied. I I was like so embarrassed to tell people that I was getting sober, and I lied and I told him I was going out of town because I was like. Oh my God, I don't know that I'm, I don't know how people are going to react. I was so afraid. Were people not going to want to hang out with me? Were they not going to want me to be in videos? Were they not going to like think I was funny anymore? And when I tell you, no one gave a shit. Not one person (laughs) gave a single, people were like, oh great. Or like, oh why? You know, they would have a question or two. But I thought mm-hmm. people were either going to like throw me a fucking parade or like cut me what? out of their lives. And no one did either. No, like everyone was. We can still was... throw you a parade, Kelsey. It's <laughs> yeah. not a parade. Yeah. As long as it's you not cutting me out of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like no one gave a fuck. No one gave a fuck that I quit drinking. Like no one yeah. pressured me. And you know what? If they did, it was some random person that I really didn't give a shit about that just didn't want to be drinking alone. And it said so much more about other people. And mm-hmm. God, when I tell you there is so much more time in your life when you don't drink like that's maybe why I'm doing so much is I'm just like what am I supposed to do I wake up early I can't sleep in I'm not hungover I'm not eating like shit because I'm not drunk and fucking hungover it's like you yeah. t- my life I feel like I showed up to life you know like yeah I don't remember so much of my life because of alcohol mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm just making up for lost time truly how did you feel like it affected um you and Jared because you went through right. it with a partner, you right. know, in the middle of a panorama. Panorama. And, and um, a Pamela. And <laughs> Pamela, that's a good one. <laughs> um, our relationship was so built on a foundation of alcohol, too. Like, he was mm-hmm. still in the DJ world. He, he was still traveling. Like, when you're a DJ, they will give you anything you want. Everyone wants to buy you a shot. Everyone wants to get you a bottle. Everyone wants to share drinks with you. And I was all for it. I was like, oh, my God. I'm drinking for free, like fucking, like a fucking 10, like a model, you know, like I'm just like back here in <laughs> bottles. Like what am I supposed to do with all I'm this? I'm a 19 year old star. <laughs> yes. I'm a tuck star. Um, 21, 21. Yeah. They, tw- sorry. 21. Unless we're in Europe. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which we are like, in this scenario. Yes, <laughs> in some of these episodes. Um, no, yeah. Becky, that's such a good question because when we first met, it was like all alcohol and that person really got to see me at like my best and worst, like how great alcohol was and also like like how shitty it made me feel. And so when I decided to get sober, it kind of started as like, uh, oh, I'll just do a 30 day thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so Jared actually did it with me. And then we just kept going and we felt so much better. I think he ended up going like 400 days. And on the 400th day, he had a glass of whiskey with Cantor, our friend that we all know. And, Mm -hmm. um, he just was like, yeah, I did. I did it. We went, we were going for 30 days. I went 400. I think I'm just going to have a drink now. And I, and by then I felt so secure in my um, mm-hmm. sobriety that I was like, yes, mm-hmm. go off says, have your whiskey. It, you know, it's not my people in recovery, which I don't think it's recovery for me. Like that's more of a AA term, but people in AA will tell you that like you 
like nobody else's sobriety fucking matters like when people are like mm-hmm. i want to get sober but i don't know i'm like i will support you but if you relapse i couldn't care less like your sobriety mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to me and mine doesn't to you and i think you have to know that with partnership too because like you can't mm-hmm. change someone you can lead a horse to water but they have to do it on their own and i think that that's kind of like important for people to know too if they're mm-hmm. um sober curious were you like cold turkey like nothing oh, yeah. at all or do you have any advice for people that are seeking <clears throat> sobriety like do you yeah recommend yeah i heard something from a friend that like stuck with me that like sobriety doesn't mean like a lifelong thing like sometimes sobriety for people is like through pregnancy or like through a tough time at work or like mm-hmm. you know through a pandemic when they know it's not servicing their mental health and so i, I think that that's something that we can like start to glamorize sobriety a little bit more especially in like media and on social media because I think it has changed from like the Amy Schumer, like mess in a trash can, like in a bottle of wine days to like now, for instance, even she is is so much more involved in activism and like using her voice for good, not to be like, be a mess and still succeed. It's more like use your life for other things. So um, I think, you know, sober, curious people, I, I always say like if your body is trying to tell you something, listen. So if you mm-hmm. constantly have those conversations over and over again with yourself where it's like, oh God, next day, like I'm never drinking again or like, oh, should I have that drink? Like w- all of that gut feeling is correct. Like your gut is your second brain. And so if you're having an emotional feeling towards alcohol, that usually is something that like you should listen to. Do you feel like your mental health journey kind of helped you Get, go yes. down this path for sobriety because <laughs> it sounds very like from working with your book I'm doing mm-hmm. it as like little just a little bit at a time um it it is a very it sounds very similar that kind yes. of journey seems very like interconnected totally and like yeah. I think it's super relatable to people to to use alcohol as like a band-aid over you know a bullet wound or just a band-aid over a scratch like sometimes it's just like oh I had a hard day what would be soothing to me is a glass of wine and like, hello, it me all day for many, many years. But what I recognized is there are better ways for me to quote unquote unwind because one glass turned into two glasses and then it turned into two glasses a week and then seven days a week. And for me, I had to find alternative methods, which is very hard because it forces you to dive inward and people don't mm. like to go inward because no. it's messy it's nasty <laughs> they there. do not it's they traumatic do not. i don't blame them yeah. and so to to force yourself to go like wow what am i like with myself and my inner thoughts and feelings and emotions without that cover of alcohol is sometimes a thing that we do want to escape from we're like oh god i've been like doing this all week the last thing i want to do is more work on myself but like deciding to do yoga instead at night or like deciding to listen to a podcast or you know take a walk or or finding these things that force me to be more present was like the best fucking thing for my mental health because mm-hmm. in mental health you're so in here and so to to be able to like still go up into your head but find a way to make it like a healthy relationship with that chaos up there was like mm-hmm. vital in the mm-hmm. sobriety slash mental health journey (laughs) what would you say was the absolute hardest part to the first two weeks was the hardest thing I ever did I actually had planned a wine trip down to Mexico a wine tasting trip down to Mexico uh, down to Baja (laughs) down to the Baja if you have not been down to Baja it's gorge 
Um, and it was with some friends that we all know. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to cancel on this trip. Like, I'm just going to go. And every second that I was there, I would look over at Jared and I'd be like, what if I just, what if I, can I just, we'll start next week. What are, and he, you know, he wouldn't ever be like, Kelsey, you should, you know, cause he knows that that doesn't fucking work on me. I'm a Leo, but he would just be like, if you want it, yeah. I mean, if you want to, you, you could. And even just having that five extra seconds to really think about the decision made all the difference in being able to stay sober. So those first two weeks was like the hardest fucking part. And it's just building a new habit. And you know, the, the, the pandemic wasn't happening yet. So it wasn't like I couldn't go out to social events and things and be tempted. But once I lost it, I didn't miss it. Like once I got over that Mm -hmm. hump of Mm -hmm. anything, you know, cutting out sugar, cutting out, I don't know, porn. I don't know. That was the only thing that came to my brain immediately. (laughs) But like you (laughs) cut anything out of your life for that period of time and you will, your body will start kind of start to go like, Oh, Hey, this feels good. Like I'm going to send you signals that this is you're on the right path and keep you there. Were you going through this when you were writing your book? Yes, which was crazy. Like I (laughs) started the book as an alcoholic and like, you know, maybe, I don't know, 16 chapters in because there's a different chapter on every page. You you hear me go, one page says, if you have high anxiety, just stay away from cocaine. Trust me on this one. And then like you flip the next page and it's like, okay, fine. Let's talk about alcohol, anxiety and, and drugs and things. And so I, I didn't think I had enough authority to speak on the topic of like mm-hmm. mental health and alcohol when I was still so deep in it. But once I kind of mm-hmm. g- got myself out, I was able to take that kind of like bird's eye view and go like, oh, fuck, that was causing me a lot of mental distress and Mm -hmm. it was really therapeutic kind of to write about it was fun dare I say (laughs) do you think writing about it in the book helped you in life like if you're writing about alcohol and anxiety you're like well I can't add to my anxiety by having a glass of wine after writing this chapter (laughs) right it's a it's like a very (laughs) traumatic thing to write a book about a topic like mental health because you do have to dive Mm -hmm. into those deep places so Mm -hmm. of course there were chapters that I was like oh my God, I need to fucking drink, right? Like, of course there were. But in a way that like, you know, they say you're more likely to build a habit if you do like three things. One is that you write it down. Another is that you say it out loud. And another is that you tell a friend. So for me, it was like that book was kind of that friend where I'd Mm. be like, oh yeah, I already wrote and I can go back and read how fucking shitty things are if I Mm -hmm. choose to use booze as a cover for mental health struggles and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I realized the problem was is like anytime I was happy sad bored horny angry hungry I would drink and I was like okay I've got to remove that one thing and see what I even am without Mm -hmm. the booze as a cover and and you know Mm -hmm. luckily I was able to kind of go, oh, yeah, my life's a lot better. (laughs) Sands. Mm -hmm. And I'll preach it to the heavens. Like, if you like to drink, oh, my God, I'm not going to convince you to try and stop. I can only just scream from the hilltops how much better my life is and hope that maybe somewhere someone recognizes one little piece of that and goes like, hmm, maybe. Because I'm not like anti-alcohol at all. (laughs) And speaking of your book, uh, 
why not why but what was the <laughs> sort of reasoning that you went into why? I feel like a lot of YouTubers write like memoirs <laughs> yeah, and they're like yeah. this is me as a youth and this is I mean that's what Try Guys did they wrote about right. their tries they wrote about their life but yours is like a workbook mm-hmm. it's like it's a book that you read with a pen and yes. you're not meant to mm-hmm. finish it in one sitting no oh god so no. like she said what was your thought process <laughs> behind that for sure I love this question because Uh, I get to make fun of myself a little bit where it's like, I don't think my life is um, full enough to have written a memoir. Like, I think it's a little self-indulgent. The boys were lucky because they got to split it into four parts and really like (laughs) hone in on one topic sort of. But for me, I was like, I don't care about my like youth unless it pertains to kind of the subject that I was really passionate about writing. And I... Really, when I first sat down with this idea, wanted to write the book that I wish I had when I was 17 or 15. Like, I remember being feeling so fucking alone and so desperate. I mean, like on my the floor, like crying for hours. Am I going to be this way forever? I'm so fucked up. Like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. I, I don't know what this is. Like, why am I like this? And I just, you know, this was pre- like Reddit kind of blowing up or online forums or the internet really being a a place where you could just log on and find anything about anything. So Mm -hmm. I really wanted to write from the perspective of a patient who has gone through all of these things. It's purposefully not written by a doctor. It's purposefully throwing kind of everything against the wall because I want just anything to stick with someone. Some of those exercises in there don't work for me, but I was like, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it can't help other people. I really just wanted to create kind of like a toolkit and a guidebook for people to flip through and use at any point in any time in their mental health journey and actually get something tangible. Because I think so many books, especially self-help books are like, I'm going to go deep into this one thing that was really powerful for me. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm three pages in and I don't get like manifestation, I'm not going to read the rest of the book. Like for me, it was really important to include a variety of topics. And so naturally with that format, I did get to write a lot of like sort of personal essays and anecdotes on some of the pages. So there Mm -hmm. is information about me. There is like the craziest, most fucked up shit that's ever happened to me in there. And like the most depressed (laughs) and insane I've ever felt. But then the majority of the book I would say is more for the reader to kind of like empower the reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you always do such a good job in, I think in your writing and then even in your podcasts or when you're speaking at mixing humor oh. with very dark <laughs> subjects yeah. like I didn't expect to laugh as much as I did while I was doing some of the chapters the oh, joy of Kelsey yeah. yeah yeah you guys know humor is like totally a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism yeah. right but like it is such a personal scary thing when you're dealing with mental health like it is such a personal private thing and I wanted to lighten that feeling. You know, I never Mm -hmm. want people to have to wonder if I'll be willing to talk about something because I do want to kind of keep removing those stigmas and taboos. And I felt the best way to do that was just with what I know, it's just comedy. So it just, it kind of happened naturally. Although I will say my publisher had to give me a new copywriter twice because they just like didn't understand my language. <laughs> like I literally write like LOL and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 10 Zs and a hundred exclamation points after certain words. And they were like, grammatically this is, and I'm like, that's not 
the point. This is for the youth. <laughs> so we did have to change copywriters twice because they kept like deleting all of my extra exclamations <laughs> and things and smiley face emojis. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Put it in there. <laughs> it, and, you know, it, it's kind of changed my my vision on everything doing this like daily stoic practice where you know you study the fucking uh, the white men of rome and shit in the fucking 1600s i don't know it, i'm making it sound bad but i really like it but it all goes back to like i can't control what someone else thinks of me at the end of the day like mm-hmm. i can put on this best face i can put the exclamations not put the exclamations mm-hmm. and at the end of the day they're still gonna think whatever they want to think and so i'm i used to be mm-hmm. so obsessed with projecting this image that was costing me so much time and energy and thought like brain space that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. And if they perceive it one way, great. But I am going to do my very best to just be myself and I cannot control and truly, it also doesn't matter. Like, I think I spend way too much time still thinking about what other people think of me. Like, am I this? Am I doing enough of that? Am I good enough? Am I funny enough? And it's like, I like me. I like my jokes. I like my gifts and emojis that I put in fucking emails. Like, I like it. And so why am I wasting so much fucking time worried about other oh people's God. perceptions of Amen. me? Amen. That's so good. Seriously. I think you're talking about like the public persona too and the work yes. persona, not like who mm-hmm. you are. You care what Jared thinks of you. You care what your parents Rarely. think of you. Rarely. <laughs> Rarely. Like, I no, I, I mean, I, it, that's like I do though. I, I spent a lot of yeah. time worried. Like, does Jared think I'm successful enough or like pretty mm-hmm. enough? Just all the dumb shit that like women cycle through. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care because he likes me for me and if he likes me then i'm gonna be me i'm gonna stop trying to be what i think he wants me to be and even parents like i was about to say well my parents are the one exception but then i was also even like but that's so rooted in childhood um Mm. needs not being met or like there's Mm -hmm. it can always go back to your parents of like if you care what your parents think so much of you you might still do a certain thing in your life that maybe isn't true to your like authenticity mm. with work mm-hmm. or friendships yeah. or relationships. Although listen to your parents if they don't like your boyfriend. I feel like that is usually not <laughs> pretty right. <laughs> One of the things That's we true. do with the girls <laughs> who are almost two is we try not to praise them mm. very much or if ever. And we don't really say like, I'm so proud of you. Instead, We'll just identify what they're doing. Oh, you're really looking through that book a lot. Oh, are you proud of yourself for sitting on the potty? And so that they look internal and not Aww. external for their validation. Mm-hmm. So and we cool. start it with like compliments at this I age. We that. try not to. It's really hard. Oh, that's you say everything they do is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that, but that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing about raising two boys, too, is that like I... You know, Kelsey, going back to kind of what you were saying about like, you like it and like you like who you are, you, you know, why, why do you need to have like validation from other people? And I feel like with, with the boys, like they need to see me liking myself, Mm. you know, like I need to be that strong, you know, that strong female uh, like it voice in their life, you know, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like you, you feel that self doubt. You feel that, that like, you know, here, here I am like 
hearing Rachel being like, well, we don't praise the kids. And I'm sort of like, oh, no, I, I praise my kids. What, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, God. No, you're right. We're all yeah, doing. Like it, is, it is a little different. Like men are going to get that that praise through from the world, like no matter what. Like I don't think you praising them is going to affect that maybe I'm being sexist, but I feel like they're going to get so much of that already mm, in, yeah. in society, unless we are able to break through the chains and the glass and really fuck shit up in the next like 10 years. We're trying, we're trying. Yeah. We're coming with the chains. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Kelsey, while you don't have any kids or plans mm. to procreate, there yes. is a kid in your life that you advocate for really uh, fully. I would, oh. say, I would say you're more involved yeah. with one child than yes. I've seen any sort of stranger be involved <laughs> with another person's yeah. life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Justice for Soraya? Yes. So I, that's so funny you say that because I definitely do take, you know, her and her future almost a little bit too much into my hands where I've had to kind of <laughs> step back and go like, oh, yes, like her future only can depend on you know, what I'm helping her with so much. Like, so justiceforsoraya.com, everyone check it out. It's justice, the number four, Soraya spelled S-A-R-A-Y-A.com. And Soraya is a now 15-year-old girl who was arrested and charged with attempted homicide when she was 13 years old. She's a biracial girl living in a very racist town up in Oregon who had a mental health crisis. Um, her parents called the crisis line for uh, her therapy and her um, counselor to come out. And the uh, crisis line was supposed to be 24 hours, but we found out during our investigation that in the off hours of like the um, center actually being open. So, so from like six to 9 AM, they actually mm -hmm. use a third party um, phone uh, operating <gasps> system. And that third party operating system, because it was four in the morning that she was having her mental health crisis called the cops and the cops showed up and er arrested a 13 year old biracial 95 pound child. She was wow. a child. And, um, from the day she in the was arrested of a psychosis. yes in the middle of a psychosis from the day she was arrested um she didn't get to see or speak to her parents for the first 24 days that she was in prison uh where which is where they sent her to a youth correctional prison um and she also wasn't seen by a doctor for at least two months before <sighs> they actually decided to take mental health into consideration mm -hmm. and even mm -hmm. then uh, after her um, uh, significant um, analysis by some child professionals, they still did not submit a mental health cause into the court system. They convinced her to take a guilty plea and promised her that she would get out sooner. And so in her uh, lack of parental help or ca accurate counsel, she accepted the plea deal and um, was sentenced uh, to 11 years with the possibility of parole um, and she will have been there two years starting in, um, July. And so if you want more, uh, details about the case itself, cause I could talk about all the fuckery and the missteps that happened there. Um, you can check out the website and her GoFundMe and her change.org petition. But what I knew that I could help in this situation was I, I, I saw a TikTok like a, a random, I think it had like 30 views. It just showed up on my for you page telling Soraya's story and I was like there's no way this is real so I went to Facebook I looked up Soraya's Facebook page her mom had started a like justice for Soraya and I DM'd her mom and the next day we got on the phone and literally every single day since that day we have talked 
every single day in our group chat. She has become wow. like her family is my family. <laughs> like my family is her family. Mm-hmm. We've stayed in their house. We went up to start filming about Soraya's case. And you know, that's again, like where I felt like I could help was, Hey, I've got this audience. Let's start with like weekly telethons. I can get my audience involved. And then my friend came over and was like, why aren't you filming this? I was like, why am I not filming this? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we have shot, God, over 30 hours of footage, two trips up to Oregon. Um, we've got a potential review hearing coming up in March that we might be going back up for. But um, we've really been doing a deep dive into the youth correctional and mental health system, just how unjustly that they jail and imprison black and brown kids at a significantly higher rate. And, you know, we're setting these kids up for failure before they even get a chance to be people and be humans Mm -hmm. and you know you add the mental health factor and we found at the correctional facility that Soraya is actually in 75% of the girls who come into the facility have already been diagnosed with a mental health disorder and so we're still putting these kids in prison knowing that they have severe depression knowing that they have uh, severe anxieties and you know sometimes bipolar mood disorders the documentary that we started shooting was for kind of exposing it a little bit and and Mm -hmm. using her story specifically as kind of like that microcosm of what's actually happening in every single town in america like every single town and city has a juvenile corrections unit and it's happening right down the street from everybody and so you know we've gotten a lot of really good feedback we are pitching it around we've actually got a really great couple offers on it and we feel like if we can't physically take her out of the prison, which we have come to terms with that lack of control and that being such a horrific feeling of losing lack of um, agency of your own child, especially like her mother, who's, you know, the main character in the documentary. That's not Soraya. Um, We, we had to come to terms very quickly that we couldn't just do something about her situation. So we were like, fuck it. Then we're going to just blow the lid off this motherfucker with a film and like, let's just keep going as hard as we can on that. So that was a very long winded answer for your question, but <laughs> but it was so concise. Yeah, it like, yes. You jumped ahead there. Like you pre-answered anything. We were yeah. Gonna yeah. Ask. I loved it. You know, everyone we've told this to kind of goes like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, I know that this is important. I, especially with what's happening with black lives around America right now. Like how can we, do this in a way that also doesn't make things worse for her because what we are doing out here is having Mm -hmm. a direct reflection on the way that they are treating her in there, which is like a a mind fuck you, you can't understand. Like, you know, the first time we publicly said we named some of the people in her legal counsel, she immediately Mm -hmm. got her phone and FaceTime privileges taken away. And we were like, Mm -hmm. and they were like, we would like you to remove the names from the website. And we were like, no, And then she wasn't going to be able to have FaceTimes or phone calls with her family. And they took away like her Christmas visit. They, you know, it's stuff that we are like, and trying to tell a 15 year old that is like, you know, they should be running outside, like scraping up their knees and having crushes on boys. And she's like, how am I going to have a life after this? Like, how am I going to be successful, you know, with this on my record? How am I? getting proper mental health care how am i getting medication like how am i getting therapy like all of that is a part of this where we don't realize 
were and, and especially with young black women like bl- black little girls we tend to want to treat them like adults very early in their life which mm-hmm. we don't really give that same grace to like young white kids we're kind of like oh they're still learning they're making mistakes like there are so many modern examples of that that are absolutely disgusting why mm-hmm. are there may i like why are there prisons for kids why is huh. that a thing fantastic question why fantastic does that exist question. at all <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, you know, they'll say it's for like their safety or, no. um, yeah, yeah. Like for society safety even, but if they are that no. clinically, um, deranged or violent mm-hmm. at such a young age, we shouldn't be putting them in a prison anyway. We should be putting them mm-hmm. in a mental institution. And mm-hmm. the thing about, uh, youth correctional facilities is that they are not private prisons, like adult prisons. They are mm-hmm. government run programs. So it's oh. the government's way of kind of keeping their hand on like a certain area of town that maybe they want to look a certain way or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, they have to keep people employed. The more kids that are in there, the better, the better the recidivism rate, like the longer you keep someone in there so that they don't come back. It's like there's so much politics to like little kids lives and I didn't realize like that this was an issue that was happening. And I'm just like, everyone should be pissed that there are prisons for kids. Like everybody yeah. should be like, why the fuck has there ever been yeah. a kid in isolation or in Rikers? Like that's not okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. And just the way we perceive kids too. Mm. Uh, in the media, I remember mm. watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary and the amount of times that the media called, you know, 12 year olds prostitutes. It, it's like you can't yeah. be a 12 year old sex worker. You don't have right. your brain is not to the capacity to decide right. your sexual on maturity. a career yeah. on a job. Yeah. And so right. it was just you see how the media does sort of affect these things. And mm-hmm. was that a factor in what happened to Soraya oh, yes. and how the media covered uh, her situation in her particular town for sure like the the da in particular had stepped in <laughs> and, like reached out to me personally which are some very funny emails i hope that go in the documentary about controlling Whoa. the narrative of this story of she was violent if we hadn't stepped in three people would be dead and like he has put out there his own statements which you know when we talk to our legal team they're like never in 30 years of practice have we ever seen like a da commenting about a private ongoing youth corrections case like they're so obsessed with controlling the narrative so much so that like a tiktok went viral of this one guy uh, like reviewing Soraya's like recent social justice campaign being like you guys all have it wrong like have you ever have you seen the DA statement in the police report have you seen the this is from the literal police interviews that she said these things I'm like well guess what bitch we have the literal fucking camera like officer mm-hmm. cameras that we've watched and when it comes out you are going to feel like a fucking dumb fuck that you have now millions of views on your TikTok and you have people thinking this certain thing because of this one white dude putting out this information on her case it's like why are we trusting oh god i'm gonna sound like a conspiracy i'm like why are we trusting the government like why Why are we trusting the government right like why why legit question right like we we don't give kids their own buffer of like telling their own story they can't be trusted they're not reliable like they're they're kids like kids do fuck up and do dumb shit like I should be in prison if like what happened to Soraya, you know, caused her to be incarcerated. Like 
it's just so unfair and it is every mother's like worst fucking nightmare with what happened with Soraya and what continues to happen to her. Like she's still there. She's still sitting in jail. Like she was a model prisoner. She graduated a year early. She was a straight A student. She was in the uh, like mentor program quicker than any inmate. And even the correctional facility workers are like, why is this kid in here? Like she's a good kid. And we, you mm-hmm. know, we have interviews with them and, you know, we just have so much that it's overwhelming to go through that and not be passionate about it. Do you have like immediate plans for her future? Like, is there another um, hearing or something coming up? Um, so we hope to have a hearing um, mm-hmm. with COVID, which is another unfortunate part of this. Like the syst- the prison system is already incredibly slow you add COVID as an excuse and like mm-hmm. people can't meet in person. You can't meet in courtrooms. Like it just slows everything down. So, you know, what I can say to the public and to the audience is like, we are hoping for a revisit to her release soon. Um, and mm-hmm. that the more noise we keep making about it on social media, the more pissed off that they get and they pay attention more. So, (laughs) you know, at one point we even like had her own legal team being like, we need to stop. Like we can't keep doing this. And I'm like, Oh, it's out of my hands now. Like it, it's other people Mm -hmm. that give a shit. Like I can't, (laughs) I can't stop what we've started. And so I I am just trying to help like make it go in the right direction. But you know, Mm -hmm. she wants treatment. She wants mental health Mm -hmm. treatment. Like she herself has said multiple times, like, I'd love to come home. I want to come home. I miss my family. I miss my little sister. Like I've missed Mm -hmm. birthdays. I've missed Christmases, but like I need to go to a facility where I can learn how to help myself. And Mm -hmm. the fact that she hasn't been offered treatment this entire time is just mind boggling. They have a therapist that uh, runs an entire unit of kids so she gets to maybe see her therapist once a week the therapist goes on vacation so Mm -hmm. right after our last court hearing in october the therapist went on vacation for three weeks she didn't get to see a therapist for three sessions and we were like you literally told us she needs more therapy and then the therapist goes out of town like it's just little tiny bullshit like that that you're kind of going like okay yeah okay yeah sure you really you guys really want to help kids okay cool go 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 (laughs) i always feel like it's like putting it out into the ether when you talk about these things too like so publicly i'm like you know i don't know a lot about politics or like passing legislation but maybe somebody listening to this podcast is in law school right now and like Mm -hmm. if you could find a way just like putting it out there to the world to make it Mm -hmm. illegal for a crisis a mental health crisis hotline to be forwarded to the police like that would be like step one i'm like so you should glad you never, brought that up. police should never be the first people that are there during a mental health yeah. crisis and her parents they knew she was not violent or dangerous at that time which is why yeah. they called a mental health crisis hotline yes. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i'm so glad you brought that up because we're actually trying to pass soraya's law which would make it illegal to take a first-time youth offender to a prison before a mental health facility so that would be like step one just Fuck at least yeah. in that town and then, you know, you have to look at the mental health facilities. Like, are they on the side of people getting yes. better? Are they on the side uh-huh. of filling beds? Are they on the side of, you know, keeping a narrative? Like, it's uh, broken in so many ways. And it can, it again, like, feel easy to feel useless or hopeless. But um, it just feels so archaic right now. Like, yeah. like torturous almost for children yeah. to be... Mm-hmm 
mentally ill. Like fuck the, even fuck the mentally ill part of it. Like if you're just a kid who like fucked up, like you're allowed to do that as a kid. And then if you add the mental illness part of it. Yeah, you're just allowed to do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you are. And then if you add the mental health part of it, it's like these kids need help, not prison. There was something just passed in L.A. I saw from Youth Justice L.A. They did uh, 16-year-olds can no longer. If you're 16 and under, you cannot be tried for an adult crime in California, which it should be 18. That's what they're hoping that it'll eventually get to. But the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know. We treat Mm -hmm. children as adults. So with all of that being said, if you do want to know more about this, uh, you can go to justiceforsoraya.com on all the socials and website internet things. We can put it in the description of the YouTube video too. Yeah, absolutely. Chelsea, thank you for telling us about this. I think like one of the first steps is like uncovering stories like this Mm -hmm. so that they're not hidden away so that we know. I appreciate you guys for giving me the platform to talk about that and mental health and sobriety. Like, thank you guys for like giving a shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. People can buy your book. Don't fucking panic at Amazon and thoughtcatalog.com, which is the publisher. Nice. And you've got Confidently Insecure, your podcast. People can find it on YouTube Mm -hmm. and on wherever you get your podcasts. And then, of course, you can follow The Tripod and watch Kelsey's new podcast, Guilty Pleasures, with Zach and Garrick as well. (laughs) Um, It's been awesome having you here, Kelsey. I love all you guys. You you guys got to come on Confidently Insecure so we can have a fun time. And I can anytime I can pick all your friends. Yay. Thank you. A dominatrix and the tri wives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One in the same question mark. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that is the end of our podcast for today. Make sure you're liking and following. You can sit with us, leave us some reviews, leave us some stars, wash your hands, wear your masks. Mm. Be good people, you know, till next time. We'll see you around. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks, Kelsey. Bye. Thanks, lady. Bye. I love y'all. You're the best.